In August of 2020, the United States Department of Health and Human Services, through the Assistant Secretary for Health, issued guidance under the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act, or known as PREP Act, to expand access to safe and effective COVID-19 vaccines when they are made available. We know that we're under a lot of pressure to get the vaccine out to our public and our communities, and pharmacists and pharmacies throughout the nation have really stepped up. The guidance authorizes state licensed pharmacists to order and administer in, in a state licensed or registered pharmacist interns acting under the supervision of the qualified pharmacist to administer COVID-19 vaccinations to persons ages three or older, subject to certain requirements, of course. In addition, President Biden has clearly stated his intention to make vaccinations available to all pharmacies across the country. And just last week, the federal government stated plans to ship COVID-19 vaccines to retail pharmacies starting February 11th directly. That is exciting. My name is Todd Yuri. I'm the founder of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. And today we have a very special guest. We have the Chief Clinical Officer of FDS, Dr. Jason Osili on the Pharmacy Podcast with us. Welcome, Jason. How are you? Great. Thanks, Todd. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. I understand FDS because I come from a technology background. Before we started recording, I shared with you that I was SoftWriters, um, very first business development um, uh, representative. SoftWriters makes the framework LTC system, which really focuses on uh, pharmacies in the long-term care space. And I remember actually an API that was developed between Framework LTC and FDS. So it lots changed since 2004 to 2008. And I kind of want to open things up with a little bit about your background, just so that our, our listeners know uh, who's, who's, who we're talking with today. Sure. Thanks, Todd. Well, I'm a pharmacist. Um, I spent a number of years practicing as a pharmacist. Uh, but then I got the opportunity to, uh, to work in a headquarters organization for a large retail chain pharmacy where I had the task of uh, providing guidance on how to build a pharmacy management system from the ground up. Uh, it was a really, really exciting experience because I got to learn firsthand how technology can really help efficiently drive business and care. Um, you know, after that uh, initiative, I, I got to lead um, quality initiatives for the company I worked for, focusing on how, what the work pharmacists do to improve patient care versus sales and scripts. So we, we literally uh, flipped the script, if you will, from focusing on the business to really focusing on patient outcomes. And we incentivize pharmacists for, for you know, the quality performance measures, but also improving patient outcomes. It was a really great experience. Uh, from there, I was able to move on to the uh, National Association, where I led education programs and research programs that were really aimed at elevating the role of pharmacists uh, to practice at the top of their license. Um, it involved practices such as point of care testing, which we're seeing right now <laughs> during the pandemic, it's really uh, really amplified that practice um, and others that, such as uh, pharmacogenomics and uh, motivational interviewing. Um, but my desire to get back into the pharmacy led me, or get back into technology led me to where I'm now um, in a position where I'm helping mobilize pharmacists as COVID testers and vaccinators among other practices um, by leveraging technology to really grease the wheels, Todd. So I have a little bit of an understanding of different services that empower 
the pharmacy management in consulting systems. Uh, for example, there's a company called Assembia who focuses on specialty pharmacy, who has a, a platform that will start to collect the medication that the patient has been assigned and is on. And they will preface in library form all of the outcomes that that patient may experience over day two, day five, you know, day 16, day 45, whatever it is. Those types of systems really excite me, um, uh, Jason, because I'm thinking artificial intelligence will eventually step into these types of programs with all the data accessibility and really start giving our clinicians and our pharmacist consultants and our physicians insight into specific disease state, not only outcomes, but mm -hmm. a very specific outcome during the titration of a medication or during the the first, you know, period of time within a medication. Sure. I'd love to hear from you, especially as you dig down as a, as being a pharmacist, really what you see the future of what FDS is going to empower the pharmacist today. Yeah. Great question, Todd. So I think it really starts with um, better care documentation and um, with the, most of you have probably heard, the listeners are aware of the, the pharmacist electronic care plan. And it's, a, it's really a great thing because it, you know, so, so long we've been in silos with our documentation and, and maybe haven't done it in a way that's standardized and the rest of the healthcare world can understand. But now that um, there's been an initiative led nationwide to get pharmacists to document care in a way that the rest of the healthcare world understands use, using the common SNOMED CT coding and the, the common technology HL7 Fire, uh, we can document in a way that's meaningful and ultimately be shared with other providers um, in a way you know that before it, uh, manual communication is clunky and it really doesn't put us at the table with the rest of the team. Um, so our vision is to create not only care documentation that's simple, um, guided in a way where pharmacists, you know, if they're trying to do a particular, let's say, diabetes um, self-management education program, um, there's so many different codes that could apply if, if you're just going at it from a blank slate. Uh, but if you can literally narrow the selections down to or even create a template of, of what care can be provided that's specific to that clinical program, you can make it really easy and, um, you know, dispel a lot of the overwhelming um, senses that pharmacies have when they think about documenting care. But then, you know, taking it a step further, you can connect that care with the, the provider's EHR system and really uh, promoting collaboration in care. And when care is more collaborative, uh, patient outcomes improve. So I think that care documentation and uh, interoperability, Todd, are, are huge, uh, huge technology advancement that's going to be coming in our near future. I want to ask you some questions about FDS uh, because you deliver more analytical from a financial perspective data, but then you're also delivering clinical information to pharmacy operations as too. So talk about the difference in those departments. Sure, there's really three different buckets. There is uh, the financial uh, arm of, of FDS, which really does uh, reconciliation and central pay um, You know, for two of the three largest um, pharmacy wholesalers or PSAOs. Um, and then we have a medical billing solution that kind of fits in the, in the uh, financial bucket, but it also fits in the clinical bucket. 
So when you think about, you know, what a, a provider's EHR system is, I guess you could say, you know, we're really developing a pharmacy EHR that allows not only the documentation, but the billing and the care coordination. So uh, we also have an analytics arm, which is really leveraging the power of data uh, to improve clinical, operational, and financial, um, you know, uh, aspects of the business. So we, we position the low hanging fruit, if you will, those opportunities that are going to get the biggest bang for the buck, um, not only from a quality performance perspective, but also a financial perspective. We try to make it as simple as possible for pharmacists to realize the ROI. And then finally, the, the part that I'm probably most passionate about is our clinical platform uh, that includes documentation and includes medication synchronization and all the bells and whistles that really help um, drive efficiency, but also better better care. There's nothing that gets me more excited than when I was at a big national marketing conference that really focuses on community pharmacy. And I was talking with a fellow pharmacist friend from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is where I'm from. So go Pittsburgh. But he was talking to me and he says, you know, I've just enrolled in a system that allows me to find where a nutrient uh, depletion is happening based on the drug that my patient is on and be able to turn around and talk about vitamin programs, vitamin adherence, nutraceuticals, other things like that. That got, and, and I'm a nerd about that kind of stuff, so I couldn't help. It kind of gave me chills and I got excited because I'm like, A, you're bringing better health to your patient. You're slowing this, this quick pill format down because it's not about quick pill. It's about really consulting with your patient. You just made some money for your pharmacy by in, you know, integrating additional healthcare services and, in in you know, vitamins. And, and I was like, what is this program? And he said, Amplicare. And I'm like, oh my gosh, is that so cool? So that's part of this story too. So I know I'm unwrapping Christmas presents before I'm supposed to, but let's talk about Amplicare. Absolutely. I mean, we are Amplicare, FDS plus Amplicare. So the merger was a, a really great thing because it expanded how we can help take care of uh, help take care of our pharmacy customers who are in turn taking care of their patients. So whether it's the you know nutrient depletion now is in our toolbox, and uh, you know we look at that as a as a as a great addition to the other things that we're doing and identifying vaccination opportunities, identifying uh, medication adherence opportunities, and really making it easy for pharmacists to uh, understand what they need to do, act on and the priority of, of of their actions. Not to mention that the Medicare Match uh, platform that came uh, that comes with Amplicare, it's helping pharmacists find uh, helping pharmacists help their patients find the Medicare Part D plans that work best for them and their pharmacy. It, there's a lot of win-win scenarios. Um, and, and without thinking about your business from that perspective, you may not never, never realize that there's uh, a lot of money being left on the table and a lot of extra money that the, that the patient is paying uh, because they didn't take the time to think through it or work through it with their pharmacist. Let's talk about markets for a second. So I always try to classify when someone asks me that's on outside of the industry, um, many of my um, family and friends who, who have been interested in what I do, they're like, Todd, what the heck do you do? And I'm like, I'm, I'm a podcaster that that's gotten so good at, you know, dissecting the industry and the business of pharmacy that it's now my full-time job. My dad still doesn't believe me, by the way. <laughs> he doesn't think I do this for a living. But when I, when I think of the sectors, I think of community, I think of long-term care, uh, senior care, specialty, 
health system or hospital system, compounding, industry, which might be like medical science liaison and kind of the pharmacist role. But what what markets does FDS really dominate in and what markets are you trying to move move towards into uh, deeper than you are today? Sure, that's a good question. You know, we really dominate in the community pharmacy space. And, you know, we our, our core customer is the independent community pharmacist, uh, which is, you know, right now there's never been a position, uh, a more unique position for the independent community pharmacist than during a pandemic. Right. So we all know that approximately 90 percent of the population lives within five miles of a community pharmacy, making pharmacists the most accessible healthcare provider. Uh, but it's those independent community pharmacies that may be the only convenient access to care for folks that might be in rural or medically um, medically underserved areas, Todd. So our core, our bread and butter is community pharmacy and it always has been. Um, you know, we do work with with the chains as well. I mean, the chains are our friends, uh, but usually when we're making decisions, it's, um, you know, we keep the, the independent community pharmacists at the core of that. Now, as far as moving on, you know, we do have hospital customers and, you know, a lot of times there's a gray line uh, because hospitals have their outpatient pharmacies too that look a lot like, a, and in many ways they are a community pharmacy. Um, but you know, the folks that are on the front line really serve in their communities. Um, that's who we take care of. So I, I think of the community pharmacy, that's my sweet spot. And when I think of the independent owner, it's not just the community, because when I started in pharmacy, it was the independent long-term care pharmacy owner and operator, mm-hmm. and they feel the same way about their business and their, their clients, their customers that a community pharmacy would, it's just, they're doing it, um, you know, instead of 600 prescriptions a day, it's like 6,000 prescriptions a day because of how many lives that they're caring for. One of the challenges that has come up keeps coming up and it's hard for those 23,000 plus pharmacy owners to kind of um, get their hands around is the billing for uh, medical benefit and, and kind of how community pharmacies can overcome those challenges. How can they align and integrate their current pharmacy management systems? Like Pioneer, for example, who uses you guys. Right. Great, amazing team, Jeff Key and his team. We just did an interview, by the way, with Jeff Key and, and, and Craig, um, who is, um, who's part of Red Sale. Um, it's a, an amazing interview, but let's talk about that. How do they align and integrate their current pharmacy management systems with expanded medical billing requirements? For sure. And Todd, this is an area that's new for a lot of pharmacies. COVID has kind of put the microscope on medical billing for pharmacies, but it's a really good thing because I, you know, I, I'm very passionate about pharmacists getting paid as providers for services and not as dispensers for services. So opening up the medical billing channel is huge. Uh, Where we might have just been a blip on the radar in the past, uh, COVID has really amplified that blip. Historically, pharmacists were maybe in the business of doing durable medical equipment and billing the Medicare Part B for that. But now it's it's across the board, uh, Todd. Obviously, Medicare under original Medicare is reimbursing pharmacists through the medical benefit for COVID vaccinations and tests. But a lot of the state Medicaid's and commercial plans are as well. So this is an opportunity for pharmacists to really showcase, um, you know, what what they can do to get paid as a provider. Um, And it's a lot more simple than people might think. Um, Being very familiar with the prescription benefit billing route and and isolating in that realm, uh, folks might be a little scared to go outside of that. But really, 
you know, our solution, like, like others, is pharmacy uh, management system agnostic, meaning not to get too workflow heavy, but when a pharmacist submits a claim, it typically goes through a switched and, and historically through to the PBM, through the prescription billing route. Well, you know, we go out there and you submit it to an FDS bin and we'll capture that from the switch. And then instead of it going to the PBM, we convert it to a medical claim, an 837P, and send it to the medical um, benefits side of the plan. So it really is, uh, there's no integration necessary. Um, there are a couple things that the pharmacy might need to do within their pharmacy management system to uh, to make sure the codes are getting over to us appropriately. Uh, but it, it's pretty straightforward once you uh, once you dig into it, Todd. And we, you know, we pride ourselves on, on creating step-by-step instructions to really help pharmacists uh, through this process. And we've got a, a rock star onboarding team that really um, helps folks get more comfortable, acclimated, and work through any issues that they might have. Everyone in the pharmacy industry, starting with our pharmacists and our technicians, know that it's all hands on deck right now with this uh, pandemic, including myself. I've shifted how many podcasts we've put out since the pandemic kicked off because I want to get more information out to pharmacists, uh, pharmacy owners, business professionals um, about what's happening because we're really becoming more of an audio news source than, than just a podcast. So one of the questions that I was excited to ask you and really understand is how the pharmacies align with patient vaccination registries to mm-hmm. ensure that the automated reporting to state registries for reported vaccine events are taking place correctly. So sure. definitely um, looking forward to, I've been holding that question, but I had to ask. <laughs> no, no, thanks. It's a good question because it, it's at the top. You know, this is one of those things that's at the top of every pharmacist's mind right now, right? How am I going to A, manage all the, the influx of folks that are coming in to get the COVID vaccine in the near future? And then B, I've got these requirements that I have to meet. I have to make sure that they're all reported appropriately to the states and, and you know, onto SCDC as well. So we, that process can be more automated, Todd. And we, we're actually working with a solution where um, there's just a handful of fields that are additional and really happen at the time uh, when the pharmacist is you know, putting the shot in the arm, uh, like lot number, expiration date, uh, side of um, side of where the shot was given. So, you know, we've made it so that we we can leverage all the data that we have on on that patient and at that pharmacy, and then just add those additional few fields to make that make that process as streamlined as possible. And we're connected to you know all fifty states. Um, from an electronic perspective. So we, we can meet all of those state-based requirements uh, through our solution. If someone's listening right now, pharmacist owner, um, pharmacist, you know, and they're, they're listening and they're like, wait a second, something's really interests me. What's the best way to engage you and your team and in, in getting more information from the FDS team? Yeah, you know, our website's a great place. Um, you know, it's www.fdsrx.com. And we have, you know, we have a, like a quick contact form there uh, where if, if an inquiring um, customer wants to uh, get, wants us to get a hold of them, they just give us their name, uh, their email address. And we have a team that's trained uh, to get back in touch with them, understand what pains are they going through and to determine if a, one of our solutions might be able to meet their needs. So we've had an influx of calls over the past uh, couple months here. It's, you know, it's ramped up since the very beginning of COVID because we've, we've helped pharmacists uh, mobilize as point of care testers 
uh, during the pandemic as well, which has been you know, a great initiative. Um, I've always believed that pharmacists are uniquely positioned to be point of care testers. And uh, I, I do believe that that's gonna become the next vaccination or immunization practice for pharmacy, just because the accessibility and the fact that a point of care test will run in 15 minutes, um, the primary care system is already overwhelmed and overburdened. Um, why not let some of those, uh, some of those more um, bite-sized, if you will, uh, clinical services be done at the pharmacy where, where they can reach their patients more effectively. So we've been involved with this for a while, Todd, and we've seen a ton of, uh, we've been able to help a ton of pharmacies um, already do COVID vaccinations through phase one, uh, but that's only going to continue to ramp up as we're getting into the general population. In the show notes for our listeners, I will have um, Jason's information uh, pointing to LinkedIn so that you can link up with him. Please do so. Reach out to the FDS team and ask questions. This organization is technology enabled, but they're also a stepping stone for pharmacists to be able to do more, taking away some of the worry that you may have as an operator um, under the guise of clinical information, financial information, gathering analytics, and understanding those analytics. This is what FDS does. Take advantage of this organization. Jason, I'm excited that you've been on today. I really want to invite you back. I think there's a panel that we could put together and really dig into um, what post-pandemic looks like from a pharmacy operation perspective in order to not only immunize as we move forward in the world, but also enable our patients to understand they can get a lot more out of their pharmacists than they've ever realized. And that really plays back to what FDS does through AmpliCare and some of your clinical modules, modules, especially that one that I love the most, which is that supplemental model that really helps to teach pharmacists what to talk about when it comes to um, depletion of, of certain nutrients via the drugs that they're on. Absolutely. And we're happy to help. Uh, our mission is to really help pharmacies take care of their patients. And we, we just leverage technology to, to help get them there. There's, a, there's things like medication synchronization that we've seen pharmacies really reduce, um, you know, reduce the burden and, and transform their headcount into clinical services headcount with the time that they've saved. So it's things like that that really, um, really make me excited because not only can we help them deliver care, but we can help them make their business more efficient so that they can reinvest that time directly in clinical care. So we are happy to help anyone out there on, on your care needs and uh, leveraging technology to grease the wheels on the medical billing front, the care documentation front, and uh, in any way we can, really. I also want to make one more point before we wrap up, and that is when you're listening to this, you realize you're a pharmacist. You might be a brand new pharmacist. The, the career opportunities for you as a PharmD are greater than ever before. And Dr. Jason Osili, Chief Clinical Officer with FDS, is a, is a testimony to that statement because his com combination of working directly with patients, but then having this technology love and, and empowerment uh, side of, of his career, which has empowered other pharmacists, just goes to show you what the capabilities are today in, in being a pharmacist. So to keep that in mind as you listen to this, that um, 
pharmacy isn't just about being behind the counter as important as that is. It's also really um, an endless um, opportunity for you, uh, limited to your imagination today. Jason, I want to thank you for being a guest on the uh, Pharmacy Podcast Nation. And I also want to extend a thank you to the FDS team. Great. Well, thanks, Todd. It was a pleasure being here and I'm happy to come back and uh, anytime. So this is great. Thank you. We were on with Dr. Jason Asili. He's Chief Clinical Officer at FDS. And as always, we thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. 